5-4-3-2-1 You are listening to the Mango Tea Podcast with Jody and DK We are a non-partisan Jamaican and Caribbean podcast for the diaspora We give you tea with a slice of mango mm. And information on current events, politics and politics Finance, sports and culture We created this podcast for the diaspora to know what's happening in the Caribbean beyond the gossip Senator Morgan, thank you so much for accepting this interview with us. Um, we are we are huge, huge fans of you. Um, we consider you. I know you graduated from um, the University of West Indies, Mona, with degrees in history and law. And we know that you're former vice secretary for the office of the prime minister. And of course, we know that you are a Jamaican Twitter legend. <laughs> Legend. <laughs> yeah, a legend. No, because you were actually one of the inspirations for why we started the podcast. So we followed oh. you and a lot of the things that you would tweet, um, like the about the economy, that was like I didn't know what was happening with the stock market and we were like, People need to know this. No one knew about it, so thank you. Um You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> my co-host isn't able to make it and he's borderline depressed about it, but he had some input about the questions we wanted to ask. So the first question is, what's your favorite tea? My favorite tea? Yeah, favorite tea. It's actually mint, you know. Mint? Do you like the tea bag or from the bush? No, no. You go into the backyard and you broke the mint, you put <laughs> it in the pot and you boil it and you, you have mint tea. Yeah, nice. Do you put sugar in it or milk or just straight? I don't do sugar these days. Okay. Okay. Yes. It's mint. Okay. I know that some people in the opposition have said that your Twitter is very, very controversial. Particularly, yeah. there's there's been a couple of tweets where I was like, this is absolutely hilarious. But there was one tweet in particular that when I when I like read it, I literally go in tears. Last night, I was talking about it with my co-host, and we were literally in tears for two hours, and we were talking about it. So it was in regards to, it was allegedly targeted to Senator Lambert Brown in the opposition, <laughs> and it was, if you sit with Lavi, you will rise with fleas. Um, and this was heavily controversial with the PNP, and it was all over media. So do you think your tweets are controversial, or do you think that people are over-exaggerating? I mean, I don't know if I would say my tweets are controversial. I mean, 99% of my tweets are pretty much factual. Mm-hmm. With a little one, 1% of them are kind of humorous jabs at certain persons who, who attack me. There's a story behind Lambert Brown. I mean, the first time I went into the Senate, he was the first person who really attacked me and called okay. me certain names and so forth. But that tweet is the past. Um, I have kind of changed my approach to Twitter because mm-hmm. Twitter has become a very interesting place. I'm now focused more on just putting out information on COVID because COVID is what is really dominating society right now. It's a big risk to our yeah. economy, it's a big risk to our health and so on. So I do not like engage in that way anymore. I mean, I still put out tweets that are funny and hilarious, as some people would say. Yeah. But somebody like a Lambert Brown, I mean, <laughs> he gives what he gets, what he gives. Okay. Um, we felt all the so shade, I, all the shade. <laughs> <laughs> all the I mean, shade. It's, 
that that thing that thing um was 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 a month ago and from time to time I send out things like that but it's not it's not a norm it's not a regular thing because what I prefer to use Matuta for is to inform and give people factual information mm-hmm. and that's I think why a lot of people follow me because they know that when they come to me they will get they will get the factual information from the government and that was my job as director mm-hmm. was to use my office to really open up government and let people understand what government was about because mm-hmm. a lot of people do not understand what government does and how it does it and the processes and that causes a lot of persons to become frustrated at times because they're like why is this taking so long why is this law not passed yet mm-hmm. why is it that they're doing this this way but government is governed by processes it's governed by systems and if you do not understand the systems, it will get frustrating. I was frustrated a bit when I just came into government, when I didn't really understand how it functioned. And okay. that's what I'm trying to use my, my, my platform to do, to really inform people and let them have an understanding of what it is that government does, how it does it, and just give information generally to help people. Okay. So what do you expect to accomplish in your role as senator? Because I know you were recently approved or nominated to be a part of the Senate. Well, I became a senator on the 9th of May last year. Okay. Um, and the Senate is pretty much the review chamber of the government or of the governance system. You know, yep. you have the, the arms of government, legislature, executive, and um, judiciary. So the Senate is a part of the legislature. It actually reviews the laws that come from the lower house. My most important contribution to the Senate so far is actually sitting on the Joint Select Committee that is the Data Protection Act. Mm-hmm. And I was able to include in the new proposed law a clause that would prevent telecommunications companies and other companies from bombarding your phone with unwanted advertisements without your approval. Okay. And those are the things that I like about the Senate. It gives you the ability to impact how impact people's lives on a positive level in a manner where a majority of Jamaicans would not have that power. Mm-hmm. You know, so I take it very seriously. I think it's very important. I am also going to be on the cyber, the, the new um, review of the cyber laws, cyber crimes law. Mm-hmm. Because that's very important, especially with with the whole evolution of social media and the evolution of fake news and malicious content on social media. It's important that we have a robust um, cybercrimes law. Because as I'm a creature of social media, I also understand the gift and the curse of it. Yeah. You know, d- done responsibly, it can be an amazing instrument to help people, to inform people. But done irresponsibly, it can be a weapon against innocent persons, destroying lives, and so forth. So mm-hmm. those are some of the things that I like as a senator, as well as being a voice for the government. I mean, okay. we've done a lot of work. We've done, we've done a lot of work, hard work, over the last three and a half, four years. And I think that it needs to be amplified. And wherever I have the opportunity to amplify mm-hmm. what we have done and talk about how we are planning to do things and just answer questions where people do not understand why we are doing what we are doing. I use the Senate as a platform to do that as well. Okay. So you mentioned COVID, and I know that you've been sending a lot, of, a lot of messages about COVID and information. So I know that it's rampant. Um, I think this morning I read that cases are up to 143, and I think the government is doing a phenomenal job. I live in New York, and I think 
um, you're, you have a better response than the United States government to, to be actual. Um, so one of the things I want to talk about is before COVID was a thing, dengue fever was all over the island. And from 2018 to 2019, the cases suspected and confirmed cases spiked. In 2018, I believe it was like 1,000. And in 2019, it was over 8,000 cases. So with all these pandemics and epidemics, and I don't think they're going to end anytime soon. What I, And one of the biggest concerns for people of the diaspora is, are the hospitals equipped to handle these pandemics? Well, what we have been doing is, so for the first two years of the government, we really spent a lot of money on improving our security infrastructure. We're repairing every single police station um, in the country. We're equipping the police with better cars, better uniforms. We're, we're procuring um, body cameras. We're improving the systems under which police are governed in terms of like how they're promoted and so forth. And what the government has announced recently is that we're putting billions of dollars into the health system. As you would probably be aware, the Jamaican health system has not really gotten the funding that it has needed over the past many years to improve mm -hmm. it. The only way that you can deal with issues like COVID and dengue and all of that is education and resilience. Education meaning to educate the population as to what to do to prevent them getting diseases and what mm -hmm. to do if they get a disease to protect themselves in order to not infect others, including their family and so on. But there's also the issue of resilience. Resilience is where the government plays a very important part. And that is improving the healthcare infrastructure in terms of personnel, in terms of equipment, and in terms of access to healthcare. And one of the things that we're trying to do now is we're renovating the Maypen Hospital. We're, being, we're doing work in some of the hospitals in Kingston. We've done a lot of work at the, King, at the um, University Hospital of the West Indies. Um, so we talked about UA. What about KPH and Children's Hospital? Because KPH, they take in a lot of citizens um, from the regional area. I would say more so than UWE. Um And also the Children's Hospital. I actually was there when I was eight years old for a surgery. And even then, the facilities weren't that great. And I think it's declined since. And that's why they have certain fundraising events like Shaggy and Friends, which is which happens, I think, every year. I think they've stopped in recent years. So are there any plans to in, to upgrade those two hospitals in particular? Well, the upgrades continue. I mean, one of the, the two, the thing about health is that health is not an event. It's a continuous effort. Mm -hmm. So you have to continue to, so we fixed elevators at KPH. We have, we have renovated some of the theater rooms at KPH. Okay. We're also making significant investments. So like when a lot of these private, private individuals do fundraising, a lot of the time the government is a partner in these e efforts. So somebody may give a hundred million dollars, but the government is spending $800 million. Mm -hmm. So I don't want people to believe that the only source of funding to help fix these institutions is private sector. The okay. government spends billions of dollars every year, not only on fixing infrastructure, but also providing subsidized medicine for people that through the National Health Fund, where we fund things like diabetes, we recently started funding lupus, and mm -hmm. so on. At, because we recognize that the, the, the health-seeking behavior of Jamaicans is increasing, where people are more interested now in trying to prevent disease rather than curing it or treating it. Mm -hmm. And that also is good for our health sector because it places less of a burden 
on the health sector. Okay. Less of a burden. <laughs> Places less of a burden on the health sector. Mm-hmm. Um, and gives us a better ability to manage the diseases so that when a pandemic comes in the country, we do not have the issues that we would have with dengue and those sort of things. Okay. I personally believe that there are a lot of resources in Jamaica, um, particularly with the, um, the flora that we have. I think, and especially in the cockpit country, I think there's a lot of potential medicines there, right? And I, I also believe that Jamaicans should go to the next steps because we depend so much on non-traditional medicines. Like me personally, I believe that Rayana Furam can cure all ills. And from medicine, medicinal, from spirits, all of that. So is there any plans to upgrade the healthcare system to develop, uh, to include pharmaceutical companies, either developing it homegrown or having, um, bringing in foreign, um, pharmaceutical companies in? I know that there's some, I know that Pfizer and Sanofi has some presence on the island, but that's limited to sales. So any anything with pharm- the pharma industry? A lot of people don't realize that, but Jamaica has been at the forefront of using natural elements or natural plants and anim- well, not animals, but plants. Yeah. Uh, to 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 create medicines. You would you would remember um, the glaucoma drug in the 1970s mm-hmm. um, that came out of the marijuana plant, and I think there are many entities in Jamaica now who are doing research. Recently, a very prominent doctor um, got a, a patent for um, work that he has done with, I think it's ball moss. Okay. Right. So there's a lot of work that is going on in the universities, in the private sector to look at flora and fauna. But you also need to remember that taking a drug from its pure form, which is mm-hmm. in the animal or well, not in the animal, which is in the plant. Yeah. And then testing it on animals, then testing it on humans and then doing the trials and then getting the approval from the FDA and all of these people takes many years and it takes a lot of funding. Mm-hmm. The government is not necessarily in the business of doing that because the prime minute, the, the, the private sector tends to be more efficient at doing that. The drug companies, innovators who are, who are, who are, who are going out there and doing the research like professors at the university, people are doing biology and chemistry and so forth, they are more equipped in terms of getting the resources moving in a more nimble fashion to do the necessary research. But the government does support them. We mm-hmm. have to, we are going to be reviewing the Patents Act to protect persons who are discovering new elements, discovering new ideas, not just for medicine, but for art, for music and so forth, so that when they do discover these new things, which are commercially viable for them, mm-hmm. and they are also have not just local protection, but also in international protection with the new Patents Act that we are reviewing. Okay. Um, so there's a work being done in that. Um, as a small country, we may not have the resources as other countries to do the research as quickly as possible, but a lot of our companies are partnering with international partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the research is done, and there's a lot of work being done by the university as well to look at our endemic flora and fauna, to see how we can use what your grandmother used to say, if you drink this tea, it make you feel better. Yep. Why does it feel better? What is the element that is in it? What is the compound that is in it that we can ex- extract and make it into a medicine that we can sell internationally and also help our own people? Okay, so when you talk about um, working with foreign entities, do you mean 
foreign entities in the Caribbean or in larger economies? Well, because I do not. I'm not fully. I'm not in the Ministry of Health. So what I'm telling is based on the knowledge I have being peripheral to the issue. But I know that Jamaican companies are partnering with companies all over the world, especially in the United States, in order to build partnerships to assist in research funding, to assist in, in, in um, getting the approvals in the United States and in Canada mm-hmm. and other countries for the compounds that we're creating. I mean, the era of marijuana is a big era of research that is taking place now. The era of our endemic flora and fauna like ball, moss, and, mm-hmm. and all of those things are big areas of research. and the reality is the fact of it is that Jamaica cannot really do it alone. So we have to partner with international companies. Some of these bigger companies like the Pfizer's, like the um, Novartis and all of those people to assist us in the funding and the research. Because we do not have the re- infrastructure as much to do the research that is necessary. But there's a lot of work taking place. Okay. Um, so flipping on the bar- marijuana. So I know that Jamaica is exploding um, with marijuana use. You recently decriminalized it and you also enabled um, large sales, um, large sales and large developments of producers to sell on a whole. So one of the things that I found in particular and others have found in particular, too, that I've come in conversation with is the little mom and pop they're not able to utilize the resources that the government has made available. So it's a lot of upstart costs. And I, what I've noticed is a lot of those investments are coming from overseas. So from Swiss companies and all that. So I think it was October. I was in Jamaica and I have family in Trelawney and we passed a, um, a marijuana facility. And one of the things they said to me was, this is great and all, but I cannot afford to do it. My my salary does not allow me to do it. So is there anything that the government's planning to do to make marijuana production on a commercial level more available to the working poor or the middle class? The new marijuana regulations allows any individual in Jamaica to probably own five plants. Okay. Generally. And it has decriminalized this, the use of marijuana, especially for medicinal purposes, um, where if you are caught, where you, you can now, with the approval of a medical person, use marijuana for therapeutic uses. Um, and then you've also had a situation where if you are caught with a spliff on the road these days, you are not going to be thrown in jail and get a criminal record. So that's a significant step forward in terms of leveling and not criminalizing persons who use marijuana, especially Rastafari, mm-hmm. as a sacrament. On the commercial side of it, the marijuana business is a very difficult business. Not only is the marijuana business a business that is, in many cases, on the illicit side, is associated with the transshipment of drugs and guns, mm-hmm. but on the other side, in order to fulfill the international regulations and to protect the country and the economy from challenges, there has to be strong regulation of the industry because do remember that marijuana is considered in a particular category in the international framework mm-hmm. as a class A drug, which is governed by particular treaties, which is what are one of the reasons why most banks internationally will not participate in the marijuana trade. Even in the United States, a lot of the companies in Colorado and so forth cannot enter the formal banking system. Mm-hmm. So while it's it is good that Jamaica continues to see to seek opportunities to give our people economic 
potential in the marijuana trade. We have to look at it from the other side that we are part of the global community. And while we work to level the playing field in terms of how marijuana is treated internationally, the reality is the reality. In order to fulfill these regulations, mm-hmm. in order to ensure that the legitimate trade is not a part of the illicit trade, it does require investors to expend a good amount of money in terms of security, in terms of licensing, in terms of so on to protect the industry. Because while the marijuana trade is important, and mm-hmm. while it's an emerging industry that's important, we have to protect our banking system, we have to protect Jamaica's reputation, because a majority of the people who are interested in going into the legitimate marijuana trade are not criminals, they do not want to participate in crime, but there's also the potential that marijuana is still an illicit drug that is used in the drugs for guns trade between Haiti and Jamaica and so on. So you mm-hmm. cannot have a commingling of those two industries. So the regulation is important. A lot of the local persons, based on what you've said, are saying, boy, they wish they could find money to go into these things. But we have to be very careful and we have to evolve to that place. You know, okay. we have to ensure regulations are there. We have to ensure that we protect our economy. We have to ensure we protect our banking system and, and protect the population generally. Okay. So pivoting on that, is there a possibility that... <laughs> marijuana um, stocks could enter the stock market because I know that there's an uptake. No idea. I have okay. no idea. Okay. I'm not an expert on marijuana. I'm just <laughs> peripheral to it. So I'm yeah. giving you as much information I have. But as it relates to that, I have no idea. Okay. Maybe we can have a three-way conversation, me, you, and Dr. Nigel Clark, the Minister of Finance, on possibly uh, marijuana stocks entering the, the market. Because in the States, um, in Canada in particular, there are a lot of marijuana stocks on the, the stock exchange, um, and they've proven very profitable for certain investors. So maybe that's an avenue that could be explored um, with Dr. Clark and the Ministry of Finance. Hopefully one day he'll, he'll speak on it. I mean, he's okay. the best person to speak on it. But as you do realize, we're in the middle of a crisis now. Yeah. So that probably is not something that is prominent on his mind at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that they're doing, he's doing a great thing right now with the CARE Act, um, with issuing $10,000 to, um, residents, citizens in need, um, and those that have been laid off from their jobs due to the epidemic. Um, so another thing I want to talk about in particular that's on everyone's mind. Anytime I go out, everyone's always like, I want to move back to Jamaica, but crime is a big issue especially for returning residents. And I know the government has, they've set up zones, Zosa zones to control the, to control crime, but it's not, it's not working at all. Um, Cause there's still violence in those communities. And I know that the government's trying and I know that the opposition has provided um, recommendations, even though they're not going to release their crime plan to help, to help allegedly help to curb it. So, in terms of returning residents, um, which is a small mar- uh, microcosm, is there any is there any potential levis- uh, legislation um, to to curve the violence against returning residents? Because to be all honest, um, I would love to move out to Jamaica. I do not like the cold; it's not for me, and I want to go back home. I want to help um, contribute 
to the economy, to the country, to the culture. But I am very, very scared of going home and being murdered or something else happening to me. So is there anything, has there been any discussions about this with the, in the government? I would not, you said something earlier that where the crime plan is not working. I do not know if that's, I would not know if I would want to associate myself with that statement. Okay. Because if you look at crime in Jamaica, it's an epidemic. Mm-hmm. An epidemic starts off with symptoms and then you have a full-blown infection. Mm-hmm. And then in order to solve this problem, you have to treat it over a period of time. This is not something that you're going to just get up tomorrow morning and stop. The challenges that Jamaica face with murders and so on have been evolving for decades. Yeah. Right? In the 60s, we were trending with the United States in terms of crime generally. Mm-hmm. And then in the 70s, 80s, 90s, we kept escalating mm-hmm. with a large escalation taking place in the 90s and the 2000s. So now we're being basically kind of at a plateau where we have kind of stabilized it since 2018 and it has its peaks and so on but we are pretty much at a plateau um it's the first decade probably that we have not killed more people than the previous decade mm-hmm. um that was the, that was between two, nine between 2010 and 2019 okay now in order to solve the current problem you need not just legislative changes as you say laws but you also need socio-cultural changes Mm-hmm. Also need, there are also financial changes that need to be made, investment that need to be made in the security forces to ensure that they have the resources in terms of forensics, in terms of capabilities and so on, mm-hmm. so that they're able to deal with the crime situation that takes place in communities. So it's not something that we're going to be able to solve tomorrow. Yeah. But I can say to you that over the last four years, we've invested more in the security infrastructure, in creating a better framework for security and justice than any other administration has done in the history of Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Um, we've moved investment in the capital expenditure in the security forces from about $2 billion every year. The last year, it was probably about $10 billion. We've built, as I said to you earlier, we're repairing every police station in the country. We're re-equipping the police with better equipment and so on. We're also equipping the police with better vehicles and all of those things so that they can do better patrols mm-hmm. but you don't build a, a renewed police force in four years one of the biggest challenges we have with the police force is a thing called attrition where what used to happen was if you bring in 500 this year 500 um we're moving away from that now by training more police officers giving them better work and conditions and so forth and as the economy improves we hope that in the next couple of years we'll be able to give them better salaries as well Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the things that we're doing because New York didn't solve its crime problem overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, Chicago, same, and other countries. What we are doing is we're doing something that has not been done before. We're building the infrastructure for justice, not just in terms of police going and finding people or when somebody is offended by another person or their a crime is committed against them, they mm-hmm. can go to the justice system and get quick justice where the, where an objective arbiter will pronounce is there, not just from the police force side but also from the justice system side where people can get quicker justice when they go to court. They don't have to sit down and wait for five, ten years for their case to come up. And those things are very important. And that is how you fundamentally shift the whole issue of crime. So that's basically the response. So I noticed on your shirt, and I've noticed on Twitter, Better with Nesta. Um, yes. And I know you're seeking... Um, you're seeking the seat in, I believe it's Clarendon North Central. That's correct. Um, yep. And at one of your... Um, one of your former principals from Clarendon College wrote an editorial about you in the Jamaica Observer and called yes. you, I think it was, or son of the soil. 
So yeah. what do you think, knowing that you're from Clarendon, what will you bring to the constituents? The reality of it is that like many rural areas in Jamaica will face the same challenges, water, road, infrastructure and technology and the ability for persons here to find employment and also the ability for farmers to have better yields for their crops and also markets which to trade their crops. And those are some of the things that I'll be focusing on um, when I become a member of parliament. Road infrastructure is very important because without good roads, people cannot have the necessary connectivity in terms of trading and being able to go to work. Water is also essential because water is actually life. Yeah. And I think what access to water should become a fundamental right, but that's just my personal opinion. So those are two other things and also access to, to technology. Example, a child who is going to a primary school here who gets an assignment for PEP is probably going to have to wait until the weekend to go to the library in the in the town or in Maypen in order to access the internet, a reliable internet connection, because many people cannot afford the type of internet connection that, that is being done here. We don't have the same system like Flow and Digicel in Kingston, where we have reliable data like Flow would come and install internet in your house. Most of these communities do not have access to that. So you find that the kids here are at a disadvantage, and you find that there are not many e-businesses in these parts of the country mm-hmm. because they do not have a reliable or reasonably priced internet solution for their businesses. And those are some of the things that we want to look at. And we also want to look at skills training for people as well, because you have a lot of persons here who are artisans who are never certified to be artisans, but they're very good at what they do. Mm-hmm. And we need to certify them. And we also need to train other persons in terms of skills training, remedial education, math, English, and other subjects, so that we can increase the educational outcomes of, or improve the educational outcomes of young people in these parts. So those are some of the things that I want to facilitate, as well as encouraging people to invest in rural communities. We have a lot of land, we have a lot of rivers, we have a lot of heritage sites, we have so many things here that are so beautiful, Mm -hmm. um, that I think that, North Central Clarendon could become a pearl in the center of Jamaica where people actually want to come and live and people want to come and invest. People want to come and start businesses. And that's the approach that I'm taking towards this. Okay. So just for my, um, my education, what historical sites are there? What are the historical sites in Clarendon? Because I just recently learned about the New Year's festival, um, by the Maroons. So are there, is there anything in Clarendon? We have a lot of old churches. We have one of the oldest churches in Chapeltown, which is an Anglican church. Castles, a few, I think we have a, one castle and we have some other old churches. You, you do know that the Maroons usually traverse the interlands in these parts. So we have those sites as well. Um, we have some of the oldest institutions in this part of the country, like Clarendon College, which has been around for a very long time. And you, you also have... And you matriculated there. Yes. And you also, a lot of us, a lot of these places are former slave plantations, many of them. So you do have artifacts lying around the place. Where I used to live, we used to sometimes dig up and find old artifacts there sometimes and so on. So there are a lot of opportunities. And plus there's the flora and fauna. Mm -hmm. We have a very hilly terrain, which is very picturesque. We have a lot of wonderful rivers and so on. So there's, there's a lot here and there's fertile soil as well. So there's the ability for people to come and start farms, to invest, to grow things, to sell. Just like what happens in other parishes like St. Elizabeth. So the pot- potential is is there for that. Okay. Okay. So with that, you don't have to answer it if you don't know it or if it's a, if it's a secret. When is the election? 
Only one person can answer that question and he's not sitting in this interview. Okay. Okay. Um, so a lot of your Twitter as well is about the developments happening in Jamaica, particularly, um, I know that there's St. Thomas is finally getting a KFC. Um, and I know there's improvements in downtown Kingston. Um, cause I was in downtown Kingston in April last year. And I know that Gloria's is across the street and there's a Devon house. And I also read that the Hilton is bringing a hotel, uh, a branch of the Hilton, they're going to um, establish a hotel in the area. Is there any other developments that are coming across the island? Well, there are a lot of developments. We're doing a lot of work. For example, we just finished, well, almost finished the cruise ship here in Port Royal. Mm-hmm. So the Port Royal redevelopment is taking place right now. Um, we're going to be opening up St. Thomas. We're putting on a fix in the road, putting pretty much a new road there. We're going to extend the road from Clarendon to, um, to Williamsfield in Manchester. Okay. Um, we're also having significant hotel investments on the north coast. Um, we are planning to do a major development called the Major Infrastructure Development Program, which is going to focus on Kingston and other surrounding areas to really create Kingston as a metropolis, a center of the Caribbean. As you mm-hmm. do know, those developments continue in the corporate area and across the island. A lot of developments taking place within the society, a lot of investments taking place within the society, and we're going to continue doing the work. We're okay. going to continue the investment. Okay, awesome. So with your extensive communications background, if you could say something to the diaspora on coming back, what would it be? It can be come back for the mangoes, come back for the tea. What would you say to them? That's a simple message. If you don't come back, somebody's going to come back and take your place. That's <laughs> yeah. the reality. Jamaica is open for business. A lot of persons are seeing Jamaica as the next big thing in the Caribbean. And we would want our people to be the first ones to benefit from the hard work and sacrifice that the Jamaican people have made over the last several years. If it wasn't for COVID today, the Prime Minister said in his budget presentation that this is the decade of growth for Jamaica. Mm-hmm. A lot of persons see Jamaica as the next big thing. We have done the necessary work, the hard work to balance our books. We are put in place a fiscal responsibility framework. We are lowering the debt. We are educating our people. We are fixing the road infrastructure. We are investing record amounts in the water infrastructure. Mm-hmm. We are going to be investing record amounts in telecommunications infrastructure. In another 10 years, just like the last four, where people come to Jamaica and say they did not they did not recognize the country. If you do not take this opportunity to come back and invest in Jamaica, you're going to miss the boat and mm-hmm. some foreigners going to come and take your place. So my advice to the diaspora is do not allow anybody to come and take a place. Mm-hmm. We would want our Jamaicans, our diaspora people to come back, spend the money, invest in their communities, invest in the society so that their extended family and the whole country and themselves can benefit from Jamaica. Okay. So with that, would there be a reduction in the amount of call centers across the island? I don't know if, I don't know what you mean call center. The, because uh, the from just being call centers, the business process outsourcing. You have BPOs now that have lawyers in there that are doing legal work. Okay. You have BPOs now that have accountants doing it. So it's not just a call center. It's a business processing outsourcing. It's a back office where companies now are outsourcing their legal department. They're outsourcing their accounting department, land surveying department, data management protection department, and all of these things. So to simplify it and say it's call centers, it kind of does not reflect the true nature of what it is. 
there are BPOs now that have hundreds of accountants in there mm-hmm. doing work for major companies across the world and so on. We are seeking to increase the level of the quality of the types of jobs that exist within the BPO sector. Okay. But that's only a an improvement in the type of employees available for the BPO sector. So educating our people and giving them greater skills is very important. And I suggest to you that as the people's skill set increases, so will the quality of jobs increase. If you have an educated population that is very motivated, that is very well equipped for the for the global market, then the global market is going to be attracted to them and is going to want to employ them. And that is, I think, what the mandate of the government is, improving our human resource capacity so that we can attract the improved quality of jobs that exist out there. Okay. So I know I've read a couple years ago that you're developing technology hubs similar to um, Silicon Valley in California. Is that still true? That is true. We're trying to find a way to leverage the expertise of our people. We have a lot of young people who are going to universities and they're coming out as entrepreneurs. A lot of young people who don't want to go to universities they want to start businesses. Um, yeah. Utech as a technical partner, they have there that they have a, as an incubator. We have a several more of them that are evolving and coming up to create a framework where our young people who want to become entrepreneurs, who want to start businesses, can have a space to do that. Mm-hmm. And even if the government is not doing it, the young people are doing it. The young people are going out there and creating innovative technology, innovative um, employment frameworks and so on. We have people like Eddie Focal, we have people like I Create Edu, we have people like um, several other companies that you, you can just look on Twitter and you see them. Um, they're innovating, they're employing people, they're creating new technologies. You have Blue Dot that is just helping us to create splatter masks for the doctors mm-hmm. and trying to improve how ventilators work by making one ventilator act as four ventilators. That's the nature of our new generation. Yeah. They are very forward thinking. They are very aggressive in what they are doing. You know, they 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 are actually leading the change that needs to take place in in putting Jamaica on a footing where we can be competitive in the global economy. Mm-hmm. So we're very confident the government is trying its best to do what it can do. I mean, there's a lot of room for improvement and we're trying to do the work to make the investment to empower our young people to ensure that they have the ability to compete globally and Jamaica becomes one of the places that people actually want to come and live and work and raise their families. And- okay. Um, so for my last question, it's probably going to be the hardest. You'll artist question I uh, asked you in this interview. What's your favorite manga? Um, well, it's a competition between East Indian and Julie. Why is that? Is it because of the size or the juiciness? Well, Julie, because it doesn't get in my teeth. <laughs> yeah. And East Indian because it has different flavors in one mango. Okay. Okay. So that's my reasoning. That's it. Okay. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and we at Mango Teak Podcast, we obviously love mangoes, which is why we put it in our slogan and in our name. Right. No. Okay. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate the conversation. Mm-hmm. And guys just need to keep doing the good work keep spreading the word and just keep believing in what you're doing because these things always tend to if you continue to work at them blow up and become huge i know we're supposed to be in jamaica right now in the office of the prime minister but because of covid and the close down of the borders we're not there so thank you so much for protecting the citizens of the island um and we look forward to meeting you one day um 
where we can sit down and eat a mango. Again, thank you so much. And we're looking forward to your social media um, to be to bring us more hilarity and to bring us the information that the diaspora really needs. <laughs> thank you very much. Remember, the COVID thing is a team effort. The Prime Minister, the Minister of Finance, the Minister of Health, they're re- really doing an amazing job. I don't know how they do it. Mm-hmm. I just sit and watch in awe and try to do my small part to educate who I can educate about it. But you guys over there, just please take care, wear your personal protection equipment, hand sanitize, do your social distancing. Mm-hmm. And, as, and I'm sure in a couple of months, we will all get through this and we will become stronger and better people. Yeah, I'm hoping it's it's better before October because I'm coming down for Jamaica Carnival. So <laughs> let's hope it dies down. <laughs> all right. Thank all right. you very much for that. Thank you so much. All right. Have a wonderful day. Uh, eat a mango for us and maintain social distancing. All right. Take all care. right. Bye.